light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Join me now in our common prayer of confession. Holy Father, as we stand before you, we realize we see us as we really are in our sinful ways. The words we speak, the attitudes we have, and the actions we take fall way short of your perfection. There are actions we should take and don't do then. There are temptations we don't want to do, and we do them. Oh, Lord, how we need your forgiveness. As we contemplate your resurrection, we find great hope in you. The fear of death we have is confiscated by the power of your resurrection. The shame of our guilt is swallowed up in the ocean of your mercy. The stain of our sin has been washed by the pure cleansing detergent of your blood. O oh Lord, how blessed we are to be completely free of all that and to live in the confidence of assured future. All this we can experience because of the love you brought to us through Jesus' death on Calvary. This, almighty God, gives us cause to rejoice in you forever. In Jesus. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this week comes from 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven, which your fathers tried to take. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know, but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Our guidelines for living from 1 Peter 1, 21 and 22. Because of this, your trust can be in God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that all you really do love each other warmly with all your hearts. Once again, as you're able, please rise and join us as we continue our worship.
morning, everyone. My name is Bill Moore. I'm an elder here at the church. And on this glorious Easter day, I asked Pastor Dave, could I give testimony today? That song right there says it all, because he lives. And I'm going to tell you a quick story about me, what happened to me, and I'm here today. In the fall and winter, I was having some difficulty breathing, I'd exert myself either on the golf course or trying to rake leaves or whatever. And I said, well, something's going on here. So I contacted my doctor, got an appointment, went in to see him, checked me out, did all my vitals, and he said, oh, you're good. Well, I knew I really wasn't good. I went home, and it persisted and got worse. And I said, well, this is not good. So then I called back and said, uh, I need to see something's going on here. So they said, okay, we'll schedule a stress test. But they scheduled it in February. I said, okay. So I waited for that stress test date to come up. And I really got bad. And I said, well, now I don't know what's going on. I said, I wonder if I have that stupid COVID on top of this other stuff. Sure enough, I looked for a test. Couldn't find one. My buddy had one. I tested myself at home. It said positive. I said, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. Either if it's positive, I'm not good. Even if it's a false test, I'm still not good. So they said, come out. And I went out, and they did an EKG on me and said, we found an irregularity here, so we're going to keep you overnight. This was at the VA. And I said, okay. So they put me in a room and hooked me up to IVs, put this stuff in my arm. Lo and behold, I said, man, I'm feeling pretty good here. And I thought, this is like liquid plumber. It must be working. So, uh, lo and behold, I had told him I tested positive for COVID. But, you know, and the doctor come in later and said, well, you tested positive. I go, yeah, I know. So they said, well, okay. And so I was supposed to see the cardiologist the next morning. Well, they called down and said, well, we're not going to let you see the cardiologist. We're not going to let you come to the hospital. So I said, okay. They sent me home for quarantine for two weeks. Then my stress test date came up. I went out, started going through the procedure for the stress test. They put this nuclear stuff in there, take pictures, and uh, they didn't say anything. So then they called me back there and actually did the stress test. They put this other stuff in well, whatever was in this stuff, wow, I froze up. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. Couldn't even respond to anything. And the girl in the EKG goes, oh, my gosh, I've never seen anything like this. I go, uh, lady, I'm right here. And uh, the other one said, are you all right? And I couldn't answer. They said, give him a nitro pill. They gave me a nitro pill. And it still didn't do much. Called the cardiologist down there. He finally showed up about 10 minutes later, and he goes, yes, it's bad, it's bad. I go, uh, he goes, probably open heart surgery. I go, what? I'm just looking at him. He goes, yeah. yeah. I mean, they know these things. So then they had to send me down for the cardio uh, ultrasound. I went down and did that. They didn't say anything on that. Then they took me and did the cast uh, up my leg, looked at the pictures in there, said, yep, it's really bad open heart surgery, and I'm thinking to myself, what? And I mean, this is all happening so fast, you know, and I couldn't believe it. And uh, so the next thing I know, a doctor comes up to me and says, we've got to take you over to the heart hospital because they do 
the operations over there. I said, okay. So they called the ambulance. Ambulance took me over there. I ran. They ran me into the intensive care. Here I am, just like you see on TV, bouncing out of the ambulance and not knowing what's going on. So they start prepping me for surgery. And then they said, wait a minute, the doctor has an emergency at Wesley, so we may not. And then he said, about two minutes later, he said, yeah, continue with me. They ran me down to the operating room, did the surgery. Naturally, I didn't know anything. And I, because I, I think the surgery got done about 5.30 that evening. And about 8, 8 o'clock, I woke back up from surgery, and they took the uh, respirator out of me. I breathed immediately, basically, and I started recovery and recuperating. They couldn't believe it, even at the hospital. So then I stayed there for about a week, and then they sent me home. I had to rehab. I had to go to my sisters to take care of me. And then I went home. Well, I told them, I said, I want to go home. I'm pretty good shape. And uh, even the health care people that came to my house to check me out, they couldn't believe the shape I was in, how quickly I was recovering and doing so well. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go here. Well, folks, the reason I'm telling you this on this glorious Easter day, that Jesus arose and Jesus performed many miracles in God. And to this day, and the doctor the day after surgery came in and told me, he said, well, you're a tough little bird. And I go, okay. And he goes, yeah, you were this close to not being here. He goes, it's really a miracle. He goes, I had four blockages and one on behind the heart with a widow maker with 99% blocked. And I don't know about the other ones. I didn't even ask that after he told me that. But uh, I'm living proof that they, they call me a miracle now, all my friends. And I am a miracle, and I'm grateful to God. So, folks, if you know somebody who needs Jesus, talk to them, pray for them. Even tell them to ask Pastor Dave and I to come and talk to them. And we will be glad to do that. And I want to ask you all, folks, today, how many of you have one of these things? Almost everybody in this room has one. If you don't, you have a landline. Okay. What is your area code here today? It's 316 here in Sedgwick County in Wichita. 316. Let's relate that for a minute for John 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that's about it on my testimony, folks, and I just wanted to do that today because of Easter and how special this day is, and I thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill, for sharing that. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for the work that you did and the activity that went on that brought Bill to the realization of his health need. And I thank you, Lord, for sparing his life. And I thank you also for the many miracles and things that we don't even see in our lives that you provide us with every day. And we thank you for this great nation and all the blessings that we have that come from being free and being a Judeo-Christian heritage from our past that has made so many of these blessings available to us. And now, Lord, I thank you also for the blessings personally, housing, jobs, family, having cars, all these things, Lord, we're blessed with. And we give you thanks. Lord, receive these gifts, especially for these gifts that 
want to say we honor you. We want your kingdom to grow. Use them for your glory. And thank you for your indescribable gift by coming to the cross and dying and raising for us. In Jesus' name, amen. First Corinthians 15:20 is cited as the basis for one of the most popular Easter hymns, Christ the Lord is risen today. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said, "But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep." This great hymn was written by Charles Wesley in 1739.
be part of the family and to bring a new member into our flock. Uh, we want to bring up today little Adeline Joy Wilcox, Brooke and Caleb are the proud parents of this and I know that we have a little few family here today and friends and it's awesome to have her here with us. And <clears throat> you want to go around here and come on up. I ask you, the parents, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you rely on him and him alone for your salvation? And do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as your rule of faith and practice in the church? And will you confess Christ publicly before men and especially in the covenant with your children? Joy, I hope we work out together real friendly. <laughs> oh, man, you're a good. I'm afraid you're going to punch me. <laughs> Adeline Joy Wilcox, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's welcome our newest member to the church, Adeline Joy. These are your best friends. We're going to care for you. All right, let's have a prayer. Lord, I want to thank you so much for Brooke and Caleb, who love their daughter and their family so much, and they want you, Jesus, to be the biggest part of their lives. We just pray as they raise little Adeline and her sister, that, Lord, you bless them in all that they do, that you'll protect them, and that they'll see you, Jesus, and you alone, Lord as their Savior and Lord, and that she'll come to know him as their Lord and Savior as they are brought up in the covenant and brought up in a home of Christian faith. Lord Jesus, just be with them now. In your hand we pray. Amen. I hope I have a microphone left. <laughs> God bless you guys. Thank you. doing today here. All right. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you. What a wonderful thing for our world to see. Mother and father who really love their child. I want to bring them up in the fear and admonition of Christ. There is no other greater faith in all the world than you, Jesus. We thank you for this wonderful Christian faith we have. We thank you for Brooke and Caleb's love for you and how much they desire this. And we just, our prayers go with them as they go through the challenges of life and the difficulties of life and also the joys of life. And that they continue to keep focused on you and they raise their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And they can be truly an example to all those around them who love and understand the family and want the best for their family, which is you, Jesus. I want to pray, Father God, too, for our world. I want to pray for the people of Ukraine. As they go through the battles and the difficulties and families having to run for their lives to protect their children and many who have died already. We just pray, Father God, that you will work in that situation that either that Mr. Putin gets his life 
together and sees the cruelty and the ruthlessness that he's doing or not, Lord, you take him out. I pray, Father God, too, for the blessings of this life and for America. I pray for us Americans who become to appreciate what we have here and not throw it away. I pray that especially for the legislators and for the people in Washington, D.C. and in Topeka and even down in Wichita, Kansas and Sedgwick County offices, Lord, that they see that this is a gift from God and the Western civilization is because Christ, it is a Christian nation that put you first and wanted the best for our children and for generations to come. I pray also too, Father, for those that we know that are going through difficulties in our own church. I think of Lucille. I think of Kay. I think of Joyce, who's now battling after the death of her daughter, her granddaughter, Lord, some of the issues in that and their, her child and how that's working, Lord. I pray also too, Lord, for those who are sad today. They're rejoicing that they know their loved ones with you, Christ, but they also are missing them. And missing that closeness and that time together shared. I pray also too, Father God, for those that we know that are battling addictions. I think of Ryan. I think of Jordan. I think of uh, Eric. And I think of Ricky. And I think of Mitch. Lord, these are battling. We just pray for their healing. I want to thank you too for healing Bill. And for also, um, Father, other people that we have in our congregation that this year has been healed. And gone through some difficult times. And now, Father God, continue to bless us. I want to pray especially for a daughter who's got um, cancer on her brain at 17 that's inoperable. I pray for the Momo family. I pray also for um, Brian Atterburn as he um, went through um, the liver transplant. Now his body's having some problems. I pray that they can find the medication that will stop that rejection. And I pray also, too, for Kyle Mallard, one of our officers who was shot in the mouth and the leg, and as he continues to recover, continue to bring healing and strength for him. Thank you, God, for this moment tonight together that we can share. In Jesus' name, amen.
day three is a lie. Day one at hill ran crimson red with blood to cleanse all sin. Day two reminds us to keep the faith when the doubt set in. Oh, what a difference one day makes from death to victory. The cross became an empty grave on day three. The cross became an empty grave on day three. Day three. Graveyards can be a pretty eerie place. I remember in high school one time, just one time, we played tag or hide-and-go-seek in a graveyard in the dark. Never do it again. <clears throat> Graveyards can be pretty eerie. In fact, there was a story about a young man who was in a hurry because he was late for coming home. It was dark, and so he figured he'd cut across and go through the graveyard, and as he did, he didn't see in the dark the grave that was already open waiting for the next day for a burial to happen. And he falls in. And he tries and so hard for about a half hour trying to get in, screaming and yelling in the dark, but there's nobody there. So he decides, I'm here for a while until maybe the funeral comes tomorrow morning and the grave diggers come. So he gets comfortable in that ditch and lays there and in his hole and falls asleep. Well, there was a guy who was coming from the bar, and his wife was mad at him because he was late. And so he cut through the graveyard, and guess what he did? He fell into that hole that was picked. And he's trying and struggling to get out of that grave. And all of a sudden, he's screaming, and the guy who had fallen in earlier got up and tapped him on the shoulder. You can't get out. He got out all right. <laughs> he got some kind of extra adrenaline to do that. Well, today we're here in the graveyard at where Jesus was buried. If you remember what happened with Jesus, he was crucified, and on the sixth hour, he gave up his ghost, or at three o'clock on Friday afternoon. And here we have it. The Gospels have all four put in the Easter message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason why that is is because the greatest thing that has ever happened, and we would not have Christianity if Christ hadn't raised from the dead. It's the central theme. It's the cornerstone of the Christian faith. And we find it in the book of Mark, who was a young man at the time and saw it. He wrote down really one of the first gospels. And Matthew was alongside of him, and Luke was a doctor who was trying to convince a friend of his who was a, basically a leader in the Roman government about Christ. Matthew was with Jesus, and he added to Mark's stuff. But then we also have in John, writes one that's totally independent of what Mark, Matthew, and Luke did. And it's theological. And he talks about 
the theology of what happened with Jesus and who Jesus really was. And what we find here is a powerful evidence to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happens is, is that there are people who've come along and said, like Ludwig Frauhofer, which is a German professor, but who's tried to deny it because he says they were really wishful thinking. The disciples and the women were wishful thinkers and hoping that Jesus would come back from the dead and that they made this scenario up. But as we see today in the evidence that is presented in the gospel, that could not have happened. And the reason why that is, because they didn't expect Jesus to rise from the dead. Even though he told them several times that he would rise from the dead, they did not believe it. And so what happens? The Bible tells us they're caught off guard. Now after the Sabbath had began to dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. They were coming to check out Jesus. And what were they coming with? And they came, behold, an earthquake, a severe earthquake happened. And the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and they came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They fainted. And these women came because they were coming to prepare the body and were embalming it still. You see, in Jewish belief, there was this idea among some, and we're not sure if Mary and the others had that, but that the body, the spirit hovered over the body when it was buried. And that the spirit sometimes did not leave until decay started setting in, which was four days after. Now what had happened was Jesus died on Friday, and then the Sabbath came. Saturday, which they were not allowed to travel too far with, and they did not. And so they waited until Sunday morning when they could go and embalm the body and maybe take and preserve it before that fateful decay enters in. And there they were going to prepare him, but what they found out was a total surprise to them. They weren't expecting what they saw. In fact, on their way, one of the accounts of the gospel says they weren't even sure how they were going to get the stone away because you see... The Gentiles, the unbelievers, believed more than the believers that Jesus said he was going to rise again. And be fear of that, they called together and they brought in soldiers to guard the body and to seal it with a Roman seal. And it was a five-ton rock that they rolled in front of the tomb. And so on their way there, all of a sudden they're thinking, how are we going to get this rock out in front of this thing? Maybe they could get the soldiers. But they had no plan or provision. But they knew they were going to embalm this body. And instead, look what they find. They find that as they're going, an earthquake takes place. And it wasn't Jesus raising from the dead. It's the angel shows up. And that's what causes cataclysmic event going on here. Because Jesus had already risen from the dead. He wasn't even in there. He was gone. And we see his resurrection later on in the Bible as we see that he goes in and out of rooms where they got all the doors and the windows closed. He had already left. And all the napkins were already arranged and all his body clothing, what he was wrapped in was sitting there perfectly. And Jesus was gone. And what happened was the angel of the Lord comes with an earthquake and opens the tomb up, not to let Jesus out. He's already gone. 
but to let them in so that they could actually see that he was not there anymore. And the two things that we get from this is, number one, we find that Jesus indisputably was not there. He was raised from the dead. And the reason why we're here this morning and not worshiping on Saturday because Jesus rose the first day of the week. And the testimony to all of us today is why we worship on Sunday is because Jesus rose on Sunday morning. And every Sunday we come here, or wherever you come from and where you worship, you're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we'd be still doing the Old Testament law and being on Saturday. But because Jesus rose from the dead, an indisputable fact that we come and worship on Sunday and that he was not there. And even the enemies knew that. And here they are now. We see this angel sitting very comfortably, kind of relaxed after the tombstone is rolled away. And he says to them, go ahead and then see. And he's glowing. He's in unbelievable brilliance. And what does it do to the soldiers? They are scared to death. In fact, they even faint. These hardened guys faint because this is so overwhelming to them. And their reactions are so clear. You see, all the disciples, they were making arrangements. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man that came to know Christ. And guess what he did? He donated the tomb to Jesus to lay in. The women came with their spices. A lot of the disciples had scattered and they were very depressed. They did not believe Jesus was going to raise from the dead. And then when he does, they have a hard time believing it. And his appearance, this angel, is like lightning and it causes these guys to faint. Simple enough that we see from the evidence that Jesus did rise from the dead. And then he commissions them. What a powerful thing, folks, that Jesus comes and visits with them. Notice what it says. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here, the angel says, for he is risen. Just as he said, and come and see the place where he's lying, and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. This angel is giving them their orders. Notice what he says to them. He says to them, go, tell. Go inside and check for yourself the evidence. This is serious stuff. There is no other religion in the world that has a resurrection of Jesus Christ or anybody else like it or any of the world leaders. This is a, un, unbelievable for religion. Everything is do, 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 do. 2,700 religions in the world. And guess what it's all about? It's about doing and fulfilling and doing it yourself. And in the Christian faith, we have one who dies for our sins and rises and goes and gives us eternal life. No other religion can do that. Let me tell you something. And this is powerful. I was listening to this excerpt about uh, Billy Graham and before him, Dwight L. Moody. And I want you to remember this. 
And when the day you hear that Dave Henyon has died, kids, when you hear that I'm dead, when you read it in the obituaries, do not believe a one bit of it because I'm not dead. I'm going to be more alive than I've ever been before in my life. I'm going to have so much peace and joy. You know what? This Uncle Art arthritis that came to visit me, he's not going to hurt me here anymore. You know what? I'm not going to have people jabbing me in the back or saying bad things about it. You know why? I'm going to be in heaven, in the presence of Jesus. And I'm not going to be having any sadness anymore. No more sorrow, it says in Revelations. No more crying. I'm not going to have to go to the doctor and say, okay, Dave, we've got to take another part out of you. That's not going to happen. I have a Bible study that tells me not to go to the doctors anymore. Because every time I go, I either get a pill or they're going to operate on me or take something out of me or put something in me. And I'm thinking, man, heaven's going to be great. And so when you hear Dave Henyon's dead, don't believe it. I'm going to be more alive in my life than ever before, even on this earth. The best of this world could ever give me is nothing. Nothing compared to what heaven is going to be like in the afterlife. Do you know what this happens in the afterlife? There are so many great things that come. We are witnesses to this, folks. And what we receive is so far beyond what we could ever imagine or think. You know, this is the greatest thing that God could ever give us, is to be totally in his presence. And to be at joy and peace and caring for one another. And there's no other faith. Last Tuesday, my friend Andrew Wilcox and I went out walking through East Town Mall. And there was a man waiting for his shop to open. He was a Muslim. Great guy. And we dialogued about religion and we had such a good time with the man. The tragedy was he was not sure about his eternal destiny. All the good works that he was trying to do. And then when we would bring up Jesus and Matthew, where he talks about looking at a woman lustfully, he bowed his head. We know what that meant. We told him that he had to live a perfect life, and he couldn't. None of us can. This is why Jesus died on the cross, spilled his precious blood to wash us clean, so that we could have eternal life and enjoy him forever. And that we have this freedom in our hearts because of what he's done. And we don't have to fear death. And what happens at death? Well, look at this. They come and they are on their way over back home. And guess who they run into? Jesus. Look what it says here. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And they said to him, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take the word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. They saw Jesus, and immediately they grabbed onto him. You know, a lot of people think that when you die, you just die, and you just, the worms eat you, and you're gone. And <laughs> that ain't it. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we all will face God one way or the other. And one of us will face joy and happiness and peace. 
because of what Christ did for us. And the others will face eternal damnation forever with pain and suffering. And that's why we're here today. You see, when a person, a believer, dies in Christ, he dies and immediately he's in the presence of God. This is why they worshipped him. The joy that they had of seeing him again and realizing he came back from the dead. He had his kneels, his hands pierced, his feet pierced, and yet they hold on to him and grip him and worship him because they know this is an cataclysmic event. And that when we die, not only will we will be in his presence, but also we'll be in this place of splendid glory. No more pain, no more suffering. And that we wait for the final consummation of the age with Christ. And we get our new bodies that are perfect. And that we have this place called heaven. Where it's a place where we don't argue with our relatives or don't have to worry about having an Easter Sunday afternoon sitting next to that one relative who really drives us crazy. That we get along and we love each other. And not only just love, you know, we hear that love where we all love each other. We've heard that before. This is a perfect love. This is the perfect love of Christ that holds nothing against your loved one or your friend or your neighbor, or even your spouse. It's totally released in a perfect state. And that we're cleansed from all the sin that we've done. Every little part of it, every little piece that we've committed has been washed away from our lives. And that also, we will finally be at peace with God. And that we're going to have personhood. We're going to still see each other and we're going to be able to interact with each other and do the things that we love that glorify God. That's what heaven's about. We're not going to be on a strumming our harp on some little cloud. We're going to be used by God for many great things and for his glory. And that what a wonderful thing to hear. You see, a lot of us don't really know and, and we know a little bit from scripture what heaven's going to be like. But we really know some of the major concepts but are beyond what we could ever imagine it's like a beautiful story that I heard one time that a doctor went to go see a woman and who was sick in her bed in a, in a, um, uh, out in the country and he brought along his dog and he told him to stay outside the room now he had never been in that room but he waited but then he got impatient and started scratching the door he wanted to go into that room. Do you know why? Because his master was there. You don't know and I don't know fully what heaven's going to be like. But one thing we do know, that Jesus is going to be there. And we're going to have peace. We're not going to have any suffering. No more pain. And what a marvelous thing. And the tragedy is there's a lot of people who don't believe this. They are caught. And they struggle. Some people are corrupted. You see, we're all corrupted human beings. We're sinners, the Bible says, because of our Adam and Eve who turned their back on God way back in Genesis. And that there are things that happen in this life that we don't want. How many times have you sat in front of the TV and heard about some little child that's been killed? 
or some innocent person who's been mugged and left for dead. How many of you have ever been in a situation where a crisis hits and you sometimes sit and ask yourself, God, why? Why'd that happen? We don't know why. God has purpose for it all. But what we do know that his purpose is good for all of us. But I know there are some people who doubt. In fact, there are some people who make the legitimate decision not to trust at all. You see, the reaction of rationalism, this doesn't make sense. Resurrection, angels, all this, it doesn't work for me. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came to the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and the consultants together, they gave large sum of money to the soldiers and said to them, you are to say, his disciples came that night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears and we will win him over and keep you from trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and even to this day. Now you see, the soldiers were in trouble. In Roman quarters, if you were a soldier and you found derelict of your duty, you would be killed immediately. But you see, they were assigned to the Sanhedrin. And so what the Sanhedrin is saying, we'll cover for you. Now, they're not denying the resurrection happened. They don't question whether or not the resurrection did happen. What they are, what they are doing is they're going to pay for a cover-up of the truth. Now, we don't know anything about that in our culture, do we? That people pay to cover up the truth and get rid of the truth? This is what's going on here. They pay for these guys to lie. Even though they explain the story and they say that he is risen, that he's not there, that they saw an angel, they're denying, denying, denying. You see, there's some people who are indifferent because they got a pretty good life. I see it all the time. Everything's going great and then all of a sudden somebody dies. And then we're hit with the truth that we're all going to die. And we're all going to have to stand before God. And how do you answer that question to God? How do you deal with that? How do you find yourself dealing with that? You see, there's some who are outrightly hostile to the gospel. They don't want to believe that. Do you know why? Because they've got things they want to do. Adolf Huckley, which, which is one of the uh, primary atheists, and he was a philosopher, and he admitted, he said, the reason why he doesn't believe the, the, the gospel, not because of the proof of the resurrection, not because of the proof that happened, he says, because I like my life. And he was a bigamist, and he loved doing what he did, and he wasn't going to change his way, because his heart was hard. He didn't want to change it. Today, we see outright hostility in our culture. Do you know why? Because there are people who want to do what they want to do. And they don't care what happens to America. They don't care what God's judgment. They don't think it's going to happen. They think it's a whole bunch of myth. This past week, I was overwhelmed and visibly angry. I, almost, I threw something. I shouldn't have done it. But Gavin Newsom, the governor, the great governor of California comes across and says, guess what? 
Baptism? Nope. He's not for baptism. Not bringing your children. Know what he is for? If a mother gives birth to a baby and seven days after decides that she wants to murder it, she will not be held liable for civil or criminal charges. This is the insanity that is going on in our culture today. That's why we need Christians who will stand up and be firm about their commitment to Jesus Christ because this is a travesty. This is murder. Out and out murder. But it's a real lesson. You see, this is why they want to reject it. Because they want convenience and do whatever they want. Nobody. I remember one lady telling me that she was going to have an abortion. I wasn't going to say this today, but anyway. And they, they wanted to get a boat for their two children so they could have a good time. And they wanted to get rid of the child. This is the world we're living in. Very convenient to be outright hostile to Christianity. Because then I don't have to believe what Jesus Christ said and did. And then I can be free from not having those laws and rules that save our life and the Ten Commandments that have been given to us to save us and to protect us from ourselves and from our loved ones. You see, there are those who wanted to even sell their souls like these soldiers who sold their souls in order to cover up so they wouldn't have to face elimination and fill their pockets. This is the tragedy of what we have today. And you see, it looks so attractive to them. But they're going to miss eternity. You see, this is what happened in America today and in people's lives. And that is, we're selling our souls for a moment's ecstasy in this life, which may be 30, 40, 70, 80 years old. But it's going to end. We're going to have to face the Lord Jesus. And we know what's right. But we don't want to do it because we're having a good time. I felt conviction Friday. Or was it Saturday morning? You know how this wind blows. And how your door pops and it hits the door next to you. In the parking lot at the Y. And I put a nice little white spot on this lady's car. And I felt the conviction of the Lord to do what was right. And I got out of my car, got the license number, wrote it into the desk, put it on my card, and said, if there's any damage to this, please call my cell phone number, and I'll pay for your car to be fixed. See, that's what Jesus does to us. He helps us not to be sick with sin and trying to cover up and take care of ourselves so we can have this moment of maybe a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars that I don't have to pay for a car door to be fixed and I can enjoy it for myself. But I wouldn't. And that's why I gave the card. You see, that's what Jesus does. He shows us what's right and true and beautiful and the freedom that we have in Christ that even money or other things do not have to weigh us down. Because we know we're free in Christ. We're his forever. And that comes because we trust that Jesus Christ died and saved us and has given to us eternal life. 
You see, the church had burned. It was an old building, beautiful building. And inside the lobby, they had this statue of Jesus. And one night, the preacher gets a call, and arsons had hit the church and burned it. And the church was burned to the ground. Nothing left but the statue of Jesus that was in the lobby. It fell into the basement on some boards but was still intact. And when the construction crews came to rebuild the church, they pulled that Jesus up and they set it on the sidewalk. And two businessmen were walking by and they said, hmm, the only thing they've got left is Jesus. Guess what? That's all we've got and that's all we need. Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to thank you so much for your love and your care for us and for giving us this eternal life that we neither deserve, but because of your love, you opened up this world to us that's eternal and everlasting, filled with joy and peace. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here today that does not have that peace, has no clue where they're going, and they're trying to do it to be a good person and they're not making it, but they're failing, that today, Jesus, they will say, Jesus, I need you to forgive my sin. I need you to come in my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I want to live for you every day. And as you promised, Jesus, you will wash away their sins and give them eternal life. And I pray for those brothers and sisters here who are in the battle every day and there's different types of things going on in their world that they'll continue to look to you, Jesus, for their strength, for their joy, and for their life. Thank you, Lord, for this time together as we celebrate, Lord, your supper given for us to remind us of the joy, the peace, and the strength that you give us every day through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, we're going to receive, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. And if anybody that believes in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know that the bread has been given as the body of Christ to remind us of Christ's body and suffering on the cross and that the grape juice was given and the blood was given as a symbol of Christ's blood on the cross that was washed away our sins. We want to invite you to receive this communion supper to your comfort and into your strength. The Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
price that was broken for us. Amen. And likewise, Jesus also took the cup. And when he had supped, he says, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away our sins. Thank you, Lord, for this indescribable gift. For the amazing blessing that we have that even though we're sinners and we fall short every day, that we have an anchor who carries us safely to the other side and totally forgives us and gives us the hope of eternal life. Thank you, Christ, for being here and for your love. Spread it through your Holy Spirit in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's rise to receive the benediction and we can sing our closing song, which reminds us so much of this grace that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. That the ship slave trader John Newton, who was a wicked and vile man, 
after he came to realize the forgiveness he had, wrote this beautiful song. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forever. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 